Now, down at the bottom of page 4, I believe, is where we stopped, where it says that Jesus became the firstborn from the dead. That's where we stopped. Okay, so in a nutshell, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. John 4.24, correct? Got that? But a spirit cannot die if spirit does not have blood. And the requirement for the atonement of our souls was blood. That's from Hebrews. And therefore God had to robe himself into a body. So the eternal God who created heaven and earth in Genesis 1 and 1 became the baby who was born in Bethlehem in Matthew chapter 1, chapter 2, okay? And then he died on the cross, and now he is going to become the firstborn from the dead. And that's in the middle of your chart at the bottom, the blue arrow down at the bottom. Okay, so let's get started tonight. We're going to Acts chapter 13, verse 33. Acts chapter 13, verse 33. It said, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. That means no more to die again. He said, on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again, which is Jesus Christ, saw no corruption. So he is the firstborn from the dead. He is the first to ever live, die, and rise again. Everyone else that has been in the world, everyone else that knows about the world, they died. They have died. Okay? But not Jesus. So Buddha lived, he died, and he's still dead. Krishna lived, he died, and he's still dead. Mao Zedong died, lived and died, and he's still dead. Hitler lived and died, and he's still dead. Okay? But Jesus lived, died, rose again. Okay, so he became the firstborn of the dead. Romans chapter 6, verse number 9. Romans 6, 9 says, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now what is that saying there, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren? Because Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, but yet we, full of the Holy Ghost in our lives, have a resurrection element in our lives. Because if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about the believer filled with the Spirit will one day be changed. Our bodies will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. 
Mortal shall put on immortality, and corrupt shall put on incorruption. So he is the firstborn among many brothers. That's in Romans 8, 29. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So why did Jesus die? That he might bring us to God. Jesus died to bring us to God. We could not come to God until we had a sacrifice. And since we were not Jewish and didn't have the Old Testament law that we would bring that it pertained to us because we're all, all just filthy Gentiles, okay? In the Jews' eyes, we are dogs, back in Bible times. In order for us to come into the presence of God and into God, we had to have a sacrifice. And that's what the cross did, was paid the sacrifice that we could come into a relationship with God. Verse number 19, 1 Peter 19, 3, 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Okay, so Jesus, while he was in the grave, he was preaching in the underworld. How about that? Star Wars. Star Wars. I was thinking about Star Wars. Star Wars is going to be a good message. I mean, it was all right here. You got it the first time, but I'll probably preach that somewhere in the Philippines or Africa somewhere. It'll be a lot better because, you know, it'll, it's like spaghetti. It just cooks for a while, you know. You know, leftovers, the longer they sit, the better they are. The flavor gets in there. Sometimes it gets so good that green stuff starts growing. Amen. And then you just take a knife or a fork and just scoop it off, throw it out, and then you're back to the good stuff again. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians 1, 15, what does it say? It says, watch, who is the image of the invisible God? This is Jesus Christ. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And he, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. So the church is the body. Jesus is the head. Okay? We are the arms and legs and feet of Jesus. Jesus is not going to come down. You're not going to see Jesus walking down the road toward Vandalia or Family Worship Center. I know you've seen some hitchhikers that look like Jesus, but he's not. If anybody's going to touch somebody that you know, it's going to be your hands that's going to touch them. It's going to be your mouth that's going to talk to them about the Lord. So he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Now watch, the firstborn, where? From the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. So we are the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So now let's start up on the chart. Let's go up now. We've already spent our time down here in, in the grave we're going to the resurrection, the resurrection. There's three key things that we want to talk about in the resurrection. First of all, Jesus' name is exalted. Jesus' name is exalted in the resurrection. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God hath also, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth 
and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay? So Jesus Christ lived, and what you've got to remember is this. Inside the body of Jesus was the Spirit of God. There's just one Spirit. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. So the Spirit of God was the eternal God that hovered over the earth and in, in the waters in Genesis chapter 1, right? The, the Spirit had to take on a body, which everybody looked at him and said, you are the what? Son of God. So the Spirit inside was the Father. The body which housed the Father was the Son. All same thing. I have a Spirit inside of me and housed by my body. One day there'll be a separation. My body returns back to the dust. My spirit goes to be with the Lord. Amen. So he's saying here that every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess at the name of Jesus. Why? Because all authority lies in the name. Anybody have a checking account? Anybody wish you didn't have a checking account? I got to tell you something. I have never balanced a checkbook in my whole life. And my mom would sit down with me at the table, and she'd say, now, this is what you got to do. And she was a church secretary, and she was the ladies' auxiliary president for the church, and she was all of that. And she did all of that, right? I mean, if, you, if Ginger was here tonight, my mother, I don't know if it was 2 cents or 11 cents that she was off. And she spent all day looking for 11 cents, and she found it. I thank God for quicken. You just punch the numbers in, and there it is. Amen. It just, there, it, computers, thank you, Lord. Okay. So, you got a checkbook. What is, what has to happen in order for that checkbook, that check to be used? You have to fill it out. You had to put who you're paying on that. I'm going to pay XYZ ABC stores, right? I'm going to go to the ABC store and, and buy me some picture frames and some fins and some suntan lotion and some sunscreen, downtown Honolulu. So I'm in the ABC store. So you put down the ABC store, and it costs you 25 bucks, and you put down 25 you know, and you write it out, and you hand it to them. But there has to be something else. What do you have to have in order for that check to be valid? A signature. There has to be a name. There has to be a name that gives them the authority to go in to get that money. When you buy a house, you have to fill out 800 pages of paper, pieces of paper. Right? You have to sign all of this. Why? Because the authority lies in our name. So the name of Jesus is the name of God. That's where the authority lies. Is that the only name of God? No, God has many names. He was Jehovah. He was Yahweh. He was Yah. He was Jehovah Jireh. He was Jehovah Shalom. He was all this in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, okay, so Jehovah Jireh is our God is our provider. Jehovah Shalom is God is our peace. Jehovah Nisi is God is our banner. I believe is Nisi our banner. Jehovah Rohi is Jehovah is our healer. Well, what is Jesus? Jesus is the Greek word, the Greek name, that means Jehovah, salvation. What did Jesus Christ do? He brought 
He, he brought the Spirit to the cross to bring salvation. Does that make sense? that help anybody? Okay, so that's what he's trying to do here. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven, things under the earth, things in the earth, and things under the earth. Everyone is going to bow. Hitler's going to bow. Bill Clinton is going to bow. Donald Trump is going to bow. Tracy Zimmerman is going to bow. We're all going to bow and declare he is Lord. I would rather bow now than to bow then and be a follower of him. He restored man's righteous dominion. Now, in the garden, God gave man dominion. Remember? God gave man dominion in the garden. He said, here's the garden, dress and keep it. I'm giving you dominion over all the birds of the air, the fowls of the, the, fowls of the air, the birds, the fish of the sea, all the beasts of the field. I'm giving you dominion, dominion. The devil took that in Genesis 3 when he tricked Adam and Eve. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. There's dominion. Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I give unto you the power, unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Shall you do, right? Because I go to my Father. So he said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Now over here at the side, you might want to... Uh, I just got a text from Art saying he can't hear me. So I don't know if he needs turned up. Brother Art, we're trying. I mean, I can't... But I can't pronounce my words if I got that microphone in my mouth. Doesn't taste very good either. So, see if you can turn me up any. Okay, Mila, can you hear me? Huh. Scary, scary. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Watch this. If you want to put notes off to the side of that scripture, if you want to, if you want to circle the, the words greater works than these shall he do, I'll give you two instances of that. One of those is Acts chapter, um, is it uh, Acts chapter 5 maybe? 4 or 5, where the shadow of Peter, when he passed through the streets, they laid sick people in the streets, that when Peter walked by, if the, his shadow hit them, they were healed. Jesus, we don't have any record of him doing that. But Peter did. Then in Acts chapter, uh, where Paul, they took the aprons from Paul's body. Maybe Acts chapter 12, possibly, or 19. They took the handkerchiefs and the aprons from Paul, and they gave those to people who were sick and people who were demon-possessed. And the people who were sick were healed, and the people who were demon-possessed were set free from the demons just simply from a handkerchief or an apron from Paul's body. 
Jesus, we don't have any record of him doing that, so that's greater works. Are you pointing at me, Kevin? Oh, I saw your finger. Okay. I just thought you wanted to say something. Okay? In fact, if you will look up shadow and let me know where that scripture is at, in your, on your phone I'll give you. Who? Acts 5, 15 and 16 is Peter's shadow. How about the apron? King James is going to say apron or handkerchiefs. Anybody find that one, which, where that's at in Acts? So 5, 15 and 16 is Peter's shadow, the greater works. Jesus said they would do greater works. So when you find it, just yell it out on the aprons and handkerchiefs. I'd get on my phone right now and find it, but I'd probably get sidetracked and just get on Facebook and post something, you know. Okay, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. Huh? You find it? Acts 19, 12 is the other one. See, I thought it was in Acts 19. Huh? No, they're not. Okay, so Acts 19, 12 is the aprons and handkerchiefs. Jesus, we don't have record of him doing that. Acts 5, 15 and 16 is the shadow of Peter. There's greater works. So God can use you and use us for special things that he never did. Okay, so don't limit God. Pray for the unusual to happen in your life. Say, Lord, don't let me be normal. Yeah, I just want you to use me however you want to use me. 1 John 3, 8, he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And the last thing that we're going to talk about, where what the resurrection did, was it conquered death, hell, and the devil, Satan. Colossians 2, 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He spoiled principalities and powers. And in Hebrews 3.14, for we are not, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So we are now partakers with Christ. If he overcame the devil, you can overcome the devil. If he beat the devil, you can beat the devil. If he won, you can win. Yeah, that's good stuff. If you won, he, if he won, you can win. If he overcame temptation, you can overcome temptation. Now, we're going to move on up here, and it says the spirit, if you look on the chart, is united with the body. The spirit is united with the body. John, the book of John, chapter 20, verses 16 and 17. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Okay? This is where Mary sees him, but he says, notice he says, Don't touch me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. This is where he's headed to heaven with the sacrifice. He's headed to heaven with the blood here. All right? So 
So when you say Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you didn't realize that Jesus took a blood sacrifice into the heavens and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven. And then when you see him again, he walks into a room, doesn't use a door or a window, walks right through the wall, and comes up to Thomas, who wasn't there the first time that he showed up, and, and when, or when the disciples saw him, and said, Thomas, go ahead and touch me. Here's my hands, here's my side, touch me. Now, why did he tell Thomas he could touch him then, but he told Mary he couldn't touch her then? Because if he, she would have touched him, he would have been unclean which would have knocked him out of the requirements of the Old Testament high priesthood. Because Jesus is our high priest. Not only is he our Savior, he's our king, who's coming back to get us one day, but he's also served as our priest. Let me go into a little Old Testament survey and history here for you. Do you remember a guy named King Saul? Remember King Saul in the Old Testament? The first king of Israel? He was going to go fight the Philistines. And the prophet Samuel was coming. Before they would go into battle, the prophet would offer up sacrifices and ask the Lord's favor and victory in the battle. So the king, King Saul, decided that Samuel was not there on, in time and on time. And so he went ahead and did the sacrifices. And Samuel said, what have you done? He said, today, the Lord has taken the kingdom from you. Because Saul was the king, but he was also trying to be the priest. There's only been one king and one priest in the entire word of God, and that's Jesus Christ. So he, Saul was messing up what we call the shadow or the typology. Typology, Kevin, the shadow. That's why Saul's disobedience, he got out of God's plan. Let me give you another one. You remember Moses, they needed water. They were in the desert. And so the Lord told Moses, hit the rock. And water came out. Remember that? You ever read that? Well, a little bit later, they needed water again. And they needed water again. Moses was mad at him. And the Lord said, speak to the rock. Now, if you look in Corinthians, I believe it is, Paul said that the rock that followed them through the wilderness, that rock was Christ. So the second time when God said, speak to the rock, Moses got mad and hit the rock the second time. Because of that, God said, you're not going into the promised land. You can go up on a mountain and I'll show it to you, but you're not going in because you disobeyed me. What was the big deal? Because Christ was only going to be smitten once and for all. So Moses messed up the typology. Moses messed up God's detailed plan. See, we've got to stay in the detailed plan of what God says. There, that, that didn't cost you any extra tonight. I'm not going to take another offering. This, this basket up here is pretty empty, but it's all right. We'll share. How about that? Once and for all, Moses didn't speak to it. Moses would have spoke to the rock, and water would have came out of that rock. Wow. He'd have just talked to it. 
the children of Israel came up to a well. There was no water in the well. They all had sheep and cattle and goats, and they're all going to die of thirst. You know what God said to do? You know what he said? Go drill a well. He said, I want you to sing to it. They sang to a well that was dry, and water came out. Now, that'll preach. Some of you are having dry wells. Maybe you haven't praised enough. Maybe you haven't sang enough. If you, if you get off of complaining and start singing, oh, that's a good sermon there, isn't it? Ooh, it's amazing. What praising. You, remember, you never heard that song, Caitlin? You ain't never heard that either. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, that must have been an East Coast song. All right. So, there we go. So he ascends to the Father. And man is legally redeemed. We are up at the very top of the chart. Man is legally redeemed. Blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat. So we're going to Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse number 12. Neither by the blood of calves, but by his own blood, he entered into the entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So now this is talking about in heaven. In the Old Testament, the high priest went in on the Day of Atonement one time a year and offered blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle set in the back compartment. It was a very small compartment, and there was no lights in it. Okay? There were no lights in it. And it was, there was a veil between the holy place and the most holy, the holies of holies. And they, that veil was about two feet thick. So it was very heavy. Now, I don't know how the high priest got into the holy place. I don't know if he slid around a corner and, and in the side or whether God miraculously, he walked right between, right through the curtain, the veil. I don't know. But all I know is this. There were no lights in there. But he would take the blood of the goats and the calves and he would sprinkle it on that mercy seat and the fire of God would fall. And it would begin to sizzle. You ever seen water sizzle on the fire? You seen that? Or blood or whatever you're cooking. You know, if you're cooking meat or whatever you're cooking. Okay, and there was no lights in there. But he had on his breastplate, he had a gold breastplate, and he had 12 stones on that breastplate, 12 gems. One, one stone represented one tribe because he would, carry the breast, he would carry the children of Israel at his heart into the holy place. So when the fire of God fell, and that fire would, would illuminate that little room, then it would begin to ricochet and reflect off of all those gems and that gold. Only one person got to see that one time a year. And that was the high priest. And that's what Paul was saying here. 
It's not by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered into the holy place one time. Amen. Look at Hebrews 9, same chapter, down to verse 21. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things, here's a good scripture for you, this is very important, almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. That's where you've got to have the blood to be redeemed. To have remission of sins, you have to have blood. And why? Because it's life for life. Because Leviticus 17.11 says, write that down right beside that one. Leviticus 17.11 says that the life is in the blood. When you die, the first thing we're going to do, they're going to do is they're going to put you on that table, the undertaker. I saw her at the post office the other day. I stay away from her as much as possible. I say, Sue, I haven't seen you in a while. I don't take this wrong, but I really don't want to. She just laughs. But they're going to they're gonna cut your heel, and they're going to cut you right here. They're going to put a hose in and put a hose down there, and they're going to start flushing the blood. Amen. And you're not coming back to life because life is in the blood. Amen. All right. So, verse 23 It was therefore necessary that the pattern, watch, of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. So he's into heaven himself now to appear in the presence of God for us nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered in to the holy place every year with blood of others. For then he must have offered or he must have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So what that's saying is that Jesus shows up one time to do away with all the sins forever. The high priest had to go in every year, every year, and God just rolled ahead the sins of the people one more year. But when Jesus came, it was once and for all. It was all said and done. Amen? Verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ, verse 28, was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Let me give you a little tidbit here, a little nugget. So the Bible says that when the high priest in the Old Testament, after he sacrificed, he would come out and he would stand before the people. And the people would see the fire of God had fallen on the tabernacle and their sins were rolled ahead for one more year. The Bible says that he would come and stand before them. In Hebrews, it talks about that when our high priest offered up the sins, he sat down. You know what sat down is? I'm done. It's done. Once and for all, it's done. It's not rolled ahead again. It's erased. It's completely erased. There we go. All right. That's pretty good. I like that. That makes me excited. All right. Over here at the side. So you got, 
you got two line, you got a line and you got a line going up and a line going down. So let's look at the line going down so we can finish with a good, good report. We don't want to finish with bad news. Those who reject Jesus' finished work or the gospel must suffer the second death. Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay? So he put baptism in there. Revelation 20, verse 12 through 14. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You know what those books are? Those are your books of destiny. From Psalm 138 or 139, 16 through 18. The books were open. Those are our books of destiny. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So hell is just a holding place. Hell is a holding place of torment for the white throne judgment. And at the white throne judgment, the Bible says that death and hell will give up their dead to be stand before the Lord and be judged according to their works. And then after that, death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. The final judgment for the wicked is the lake of fire, not hell. Hell is just a holding place. Then Romans chapter 2, verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. God is going to judge men according to the gospel. Did you repent? Were you baptized? Did you let my spirit come into your life? That's the, that's the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection. Repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Espiritu Santos. I wish I could speak. I wish I could speak Spanish fluently. Amen. Okay, so those who reject the finished work of the gospel are going to suffer the second death. That's why we're here tonight. Are you still awake? All right, there's three. I heard three. Who are you that awake? Who, who answered? You awake, Macy? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, let's finish this. Guys, it's only 8.05. You're going to get to Dairy Queen before it closes for the season. Amen. Amen. Oh, but it's a whole page, a couple pages. Believers' privileges. We have privileges, brothers and sisters. First of all, we are the sons of God. Look at, you, look at the person sitting beside and say, you're a son of God. Now, don't let that go to your head. You're a son of God. Johnny, when you went to Texas... Did you notice how they all said son? Oh, son. They all said son. Remember that? Son. Well, this is better than just being son. I don't know if they do that in Louisiana or not. They call it probably son in Louisiana. Son. Oh, son. Son. Yeah. Well, we're sons of God. Daughters of Zion. Maybe you ladies feel better about that. Sons of God and daughters of Zion. Okay, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Son of God. 
Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So the world is not going to recognize you because it does not recognize the Lord. Amen? Okay? Verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when we see the Lord coming in the clouds, when we see the Lord, we're going to be like him. That's awesome. We're not going to be in this body any longer. And every man, verse 3, that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. You want to stay pure. You want to be ready to meet the Lord. Amen? You don't want to lose out on the Lord, seeing the Lord. You don't want to walk all this way and mess up. You still got the big show to go to. What was that video game, the show, that baseball game? You still got the show to go to. We're just, we're just working on the show. Every Sunday and every Wednesday, we're just rehearsing for the show. Amen. Believers' privileges were righteous. Romans 5, 18 and 19 were righteous. Therefore... As by the offense of one judgment came upon all men. Okay? Let me explain that to you. So by the offense of one, who is the one that the offense came upon? Adam. Good. So by the offense of one came judgment upon all, even so by the righteousness of one, who would that be? Jesus, right? Even by the righteousness of one, the free gift came on all men to justification of life. What is that free gift? Remission of sins, forgiveness of sins, atonement. The curse is gone. I don't have to sacrifice, you know, I don't have to have a goat farm. Sacrifice goats and turtle doves all the time. Once and for all, Jesus did the sacrifice once and for all. Okay. So by one's obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Justified. We are justified. Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. He's not justified by the law. He's but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Jesus had faith. Jesus has faith in you. I was texting Sister Susan today and said, you know, the Lord's, the pressure on us and the pressure on you right now, the Lord's trusting you. He knows that you can walk through this trial. He knows you can. He has faith. We, uh, there's one scripture, maybe it's in Romans, that talks about having the faith of the Son of God. We have the faith of the Son of God in us. We're a lot more like the Lord than, you, than we think we are. We're a lot more like the Lord than we give ourselves credit for. You need to give yourselves credit. You know, you're walking with the Lord. You have righteousness. You have justification. Amen. That we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. We have eternal life. We have eternal life. John 6.40 And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him 
may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We are heirs, joint heirs. We're going to have an inheritance. You got an inheritance coming, brothers and sisters. Romans 8, 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Anybody led by the Spirit? You're a son of God if you're led by the Spirit. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And the last one, we are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new creature in Christ. That's the believer's privileges. There you go. So when you say Jesus died on the cross, there's a lot more to that. Did you ever realize that? Did you ever think, why did Jesus tell Mary, don't touch me? Because his body was dead and nasty? Why did he tell her that? That goes clear back to the Old Testament. See, God is a God of order. God is a God of intentional purpose. Everything God does, there's a reason why he does it. So everything that happens in your life, there's a reason why God's letting it happen. There's a reason why God lets it come through our lives. There's a reason why we go through the processes. Anybody ever been through a process? Every day's a process. Every day's a process.